everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Mike. And my name's Allison. Yeah, it is, baby girl. I am so excited because I get to do a story. I know. I'm excited to just sit back here and look at you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get to look at me. It's it's kind of nice. Now, if this video doesn't make it all the way through, it's because we have to, we're recording two in a row. So we'll see what happens. But uh, the audio will definitely be okay. Yes, one never knows. Yeah. So uh, how's things been going since the last episode we recorded about 10 minutes ago? Oh, you know, things are good. I'm enjoying my iced chai tea latte that you so graciously and kindly got for me today. Well, I mean, it is just buying it from Starbucks, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very sweet of you. You know what I did notice is that I, we used to have to reload our Starbucks card like every two or three times that we went. Now it's reloading every single time. So with inflation and everything, we are hitting 25 bucks every single time we go to Starbucks. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's it's absolutely nuts. And uh, you guys aren't exactly cheap dates. Cause, well, it's not me. It's the kids. And I can't get my coffee anymore because I want to help save the, the family money. Oh, you're so good. I'm a martyr. You are. Yeah. Um. Well, the kids always want their cake pops too. Oh my God. Those like $3.25, like it's this much of a, like a, a little donut hole of a, a friggin' cake. ball of cake. Yeah. I what made, a joke. Should just get donut holes from Dunkin' Donuts. Speaking of cakes, I just made a jello poke cake and oh, it's delicious. They're so good. Oh yeah. That's the other thing you were a martyr for. You're like, I guess I'm making my own Mother's Day cake. And I'm like, uh, there's no such thing as a Mother's Day cake. Oh, and I was totally joking. It's actually my mom's, we're, so any, again, we're pre recording, so we're a week early. Um, but my mom's 51st anniversary today and my dad. What about your dad? Oh, yeah. okay, good. So that's the 13th and then 14th is Mother's Day and then the 15th is my mom's birthday. So it's actually a cake for my mom's birthday, but it's delicious. It's a Jello poke cake. If you've never made it before, it's just literally a box of white cake mix, which took me all of like maybe a mi- two minutes to put together, throw that bad boy in the oven, and then you poke a bunch of holes and then pour the liquid jello over the cake and then refrigerate it. And then the topping is just Cool Whip. So you would make the jello as usual? Well, this one was just, a, I did it in the microwave. I just boiled water in the microwave, poured it over the jello, put a cup of cold water, and just dumped it but over I mean, the pokes. As far as instructions go, you, yeah. you pour the same amount of water you're supposed to if you're making yes. regular jello. Is this as if you are making jello, yes. And then, did I mention you poke holes in the cake? Uh, I think it's inferred, but I think you did also. Okay. So, so then you pour your warm jello mixture. The, it absorbs into the cake. You throw it into the refrigerator. You top it with whipped cream. Boom. It's awesome. Easy peasy dessert, and it's delicious. I think it's from the 80s or something. So. It it is a very retro. Oh, it's so good, though. Might even be from the seventies. Yeah, maybe seems 60s. like one of those that would be in like the ladies' home journal, right, or something like that. Impress your neighbors. There was this one thing I saw that was like this. Literally came from a blah 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 magazine from whatever year, and it was a diet. And it's like we'll lose five pounds in one week. The morning it was like have hard boiled eggs, a cup of black coffee, and a glass of. Sauvignon Blanc or something. <laughs> Lunchtime, have blah, 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 Sauvignon Blanc. Dinner time, have the rest of the bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. I'm like, what the hell? Well, I mean, it's just one glass per meal. That's not a big, huge deal. Remember uh, the cabbage soup diets? No, like, I don't. Oh, man, some of those were just so gross. Yeah, I don't remember any of those things. Me and my mom used to do those together. I did like Weight Watchers, so I remember specifically having to eat like tuna sandwiches, which were delicious. So I And I lost some weight right away because I wasn't eating triple cheeseburgers and milkshakes. Mm-hmm. What a concept. Imagine that. Yeah. Or Crazy. Yeah, it is. 
So uh, you ready to get this party started? I am so ready. You have no idea. Okay. So folks, um, if you hate my voice, now's the time to shut it off. Uh, no, but, don't shut it off. Don't shut it off. But if you do, then go ahead and subscribe Stop to us. Stop driving people away. I'm not. It's a joke. Uh, go ahead, subscribe, whatever app you're using. Just go ahead and click that plus button or whatever. Make sure be so we can you know make sure that you know about our new shows coming out yeah, every Sunday. Absolutely. All right. Let's get into this one. This one is about Wayne Nance, the Missoula Mauler. Oh, yeah. That doesn't sound very pleasant. No, it doesn't. And uh, if you listeners know anything about me, you know that I don't like typical murder stories. No. I mean, nobody likes them, you know, but it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, and I, I'm sorry. You said his nickname was a Missoula. Mauler. Mauler. Oof. M-A-U-L-E-R. Not good. Yeah. Think of like a werewolf. Yeah. So this one's a little bit different, as you would expect. Uh, definitely make sure you stay for the ending, though. Oh. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. You okay. got me hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, I do. I guess I have no choice, though. No, you're sitting here either way. So Wayne Nance uh, was born October 18th, 1955 in Missoula, Montana. Hence the nickname, the Missoula Mauler. Mm-hmm. So this piece of human garbage grew up in a mobile home just outside of town. Okay. Sounds like he had a standard home life as a young man. His dad was a trucker while his mom was a waitress. He was a latchkey kid since his parents worked a lot, like a lot of us were. Uh, he did pretty well in school, surprisingly, um, getting mostly A's and B's, but was said to have had a bad temper, and he was a bit of a handful, mm-hmm. like a lot of boys these days. Um, and back in my day, every it seems like a lot of teachers really just don't don't expect uh, boys to be boys sometimes. Well, we were just watching, I know I've brought it up a couple times, that Nate Bergazzi, uh comedian, and he was saying that they have a daughter, and she's like you know, just so calm and easy to handle or whatever. And their friend has a boy and they'll swap it like to babysit. And he's like, I should have eight watches for every time I have to watch their boy. Yeah. I mean, boys are a handful. They're just a lot of energy. We, we like to bounce around and, and, you know, fight and stuff. We so. have one of each. So we do. We see both differences. Yep. So even though with those labels, he had no problems getting through grade school and high school. Uh, despite being a hothead and considered a bit of a weirdo, Wayne Nance was looked at positively and had plenty of people that liked him around town. Mm. So the Nance family lived near the Pounds family, which was Donna and Harvey Pounds, along with their three kids, Kenny, Karen, and Kathy, aged between their 12, 12 years old and 20 years old. Harvey worked at a men's store and was also the deacon of the nearby Bethel Baptist Church, while Donna worked part-time at a bookstore that was Christian. So they were both definitely a religious family. Uh, on April 11th, 1974, Donna was home alone. Harvey and Karen were gone at work with Kenny in the army and Kathy being at school. While Donna was by herself, 18-year-old Wayne Nance crept into their house quietly without being heard. He knew the Pound family pretty well, living <sighs> so close to them and everything. And because of this, he knew where Harvey kept his 22 caliber Luger pistol. Oh, no. Yeah, you know where this is going. Wayne Nance got the gun and found Donna in her bedroom. He proceeded to tie her up with her legs spread open using a clothesline he brought with him. And as you guessed, he raped poor Donna. Oh, jeez. Yeah. After that, he took her down into her own basement, shoved her head under the stairs, and shot her five times in the back of her head. That is vicious. Absolutely disgusting. And he knows this family. Yeah. And the kids. Yeah. I just, I don't know. You know, it's like... You would expect him to have like a troubled childhood at right. some point. It, it maybe maybe he had some stuff going on, but like really, there wasn't a whole lot of evidence of anything. You so. cannot tell me that this is the first time he's done something wrong. Yeah, and he can't be perfectly well adjusted. You know? Hell no. Yep. So when police were investigating the murder, a neighbor told them she saw a person who looked like Wayne Nance around the Pounds home that same afternoon. Police went to question Nance, who claimed he was homesick all day long, like a little baby. Ugh. 
He said he had nothing to do with anything, but police still got a search warrant and found a pair of underwear with human bloodstains on it. Okay. Imagine that. Unfortunately, since it was 1974, that's as far as they could get since they didn't have DNA technology oh, at the time. Man. Uh, so police had Nance in mind as a suspect, but they couldn't find anything more than that bloodstain. So it's like could have been anybody. So whose underwear was it? I don't know. Um, not his, I guess. So but the I, fact that a neighbor is killed, somebody has seen him around their house, and there's bloody underwear in his room. That's very friggin' suspicious. Yeah, you would think so. Um, and maybe, you know, the townspeople knew it and they just kind of wanted to be like, okay, let's like, if we say there's a murder around town, I, who knows? I, this is all conjecture. I don't know. Yeah. Of course, they also investigated Harvey, the husband, like we always think about. Um, it came out that good Deacon Harvey was having an affair at this time. So he could have potentially had some motivation to murder his wife, but police found nothing further to pin anything on him. Mm-hmm. Um, with nothing new for the police to work on, the case just went cold, and the Missoula Mahler was officially on the loose. Jeez, that's a shame, because we could have stopped some potential problems from happening. Because I'm sure this isn't where the story ends. No, no, you're exactly right, Allison. Later in 1979, good year, we were both born that yes, year. Yes, we were. Railroad workers found a very decomposed body of a young woman that had been stabbed and raped oh. near the Beaver Tail Hill State Park. Does that sound familiar at all? Like, what is Beaver Tail Park? Beaver Hills, Beaver Tail Hill State Park. Okay. I'm saying, does it sound familiar that they of, find somebody stabbed and raped? Right, no. Yeah. So she was wearing a flowered print dress. Police searched for missing persons that matched her description, but found nothing. Hmm. So instead of Jane Doe, she was referred to as Betty Beaver Tail. Oh, because of where she was found? Yeah. I thought that was interesting. It's so like, strange thing. I guess it makes it more specific. Yeah, you, know? you so, wouldn't forget that. Right, right. It's it was almost like jokey. Yeah, it's like, that's not funny. Right. So it's this is somebody died here, and you're calling yeah. her Betty Beaver Tail. Years that's, later, that's messed up. Yeah, years later, it could have been 1985, but also maybe 2009. I found a couple different sources. Uh, she was identified as 15 year old runaway from Seattle named Devana Nelson. Aww. She had been hitchhiking through Missoula from Seattle. Thankfully, we can remember her by her actual name and not some stupid name the police and media members made yeah. up. Um, five years later, and you know, these these things, I, I'm going to be going through a bunch of them here because unfortunately he had quite a... Rampage. Yeah, rampage here. So I don't mean to put any less stress on any of these. Like these are all very important people, obviously. Of course. Five years later in the summer of 1984, Wayne Nance was getting hot and heavy with a woman known only as Robin. They dated through the summer and then left town in September to start their own life together. Maybe even start a family. Lucky Robin. Uh, finding Wayne Nance and falling in love. Just about three months after that, a wildlife photographer was walking through Mizzou- the Missoula woodlands to get some pictures. But he came across what appeared to be a human foot sticking out of the ground. Mm. Can you imagine coming across that? No. Of course, they called police right away. And upon digging up the area, they found that the foot... Uh, belonged to the lifeless body of a young woman. Oh. And experts said the body had likely been dead for about three months. Can you think of what may have happened three months prior? Um, probably something to do with Wayne Nance's uh, you know, new love Robin here. Mm-hmm. Again, police searched nearby missing person reports, but came up with no matches. This poor young lady did not have an easy death, as police found three gunshot wounds to her head. Mm, and so, again, like horrible, horrible deaths. So he's shot two of his victims and stabbed one. Right. Yep. Since they couldn't find her identity, police had to come up with another name, and this time it was Debbie Deer Creek. Okay. So that ended up being her. Robin. This is Robin. Yep. Then in September of 1985, 
a guy that was out hunting bears, found human skeletal remains all around a hillside in West Missoula. So all in the same somewhat area here. So, you know, I'm hoping they're tying this together. Right. Well, you would think, but I don't know. So police investigated and found the victim had two bullets lodged into her skull. Sound familiar? Yep. She had nothing on her that would identify her, so she became known as Christy Crystal Creek. Hmm. Um, they, they, I mean, they were putting these names together, and it's like, you know, there's probably the same guy going, but they don't know because they just find a dead body. Right, but, I mean, this is a lot of bodies. Right, you start putting this stuff together. Maybe this was a little before, like, serial killers, where they started to know that they had a, you know, Like a patterns method. and methods, yeah. Yep. According to one of the sources I read, they initially thought she was of Asian descent because of the style of dental work she had done, hmm. which I thought found interesting. I guess it was popular in Asia. And, you know, the, just the method of, of doing the dentistry. And she was also left-handed, but she, they said she did take really good care of her teeth. Uh, How did they know she was left-handed? Um, I, I don't know. I, you know. They were just like, they came up with these random facts. It's like, she was probably Asian and left-handed. And it was like, okay, like, can't you find out more? I don't you know. There was something, maybe how the muscles on the left side or something were bigger or something like that. I don't know. But And then a commenter on this article that I was reading said that she was not Asian. She was actually white. And it sounded like it was someone that knew her because in 2021, thanks to DNA testing, it was announced that her name was Janet Lee Lucas. Wow. So they just found out a couple years ago? Yeah. Jeez. Insane, right? That is. So was she decomposed to the point they couldn't see her race? I, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because, I mean, anybody decomposed, you know, it's really hard, unfortunately. Right. And Janet Lee Lucas grew up in California and Washington and left behind a son who was only five years old at the time. The little boy spent a lot of his adult life looking for his mom. Oh, that's so sad. But uh, the poor guy, at least he got some closure. Yeah, so many years later, but at least they did. Yep. Then, in December of 1985, this just keeps going. Mm -mm. Mike and Teresa Shook were in their home along with their three children, just finishing up their dinner. Just then, they heard a hard and violent knock at the front door. Just like, okay, well, I guess we should go see who this is. Mike went to open the door, and suddenly a man lunged at him with a butcher knife. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely massacring his body until he died. Wow. So this is very different from what he's done in the past. Yeah. Because it sounds like he takes these victims out to very quiet places. In this case, he's going into a home where there's multiple people. Yep. Wow. And instead of you know, sneaking around and stuff, it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to butcher the first person that oh. I see. So uh, after he was done with Mike, he turned to Teresa, dragged her into her own bedroom, then proceeded to tie her up, rape her, and stab her to death as well. Disgusting human being. I mean, it's like just everything horrible you can think of. It's like shooting people point blank in the head, raping, murdering, butchering. Like, this guy's out of his freaking mind, man. It's terrible. And I can't believe, like... I couldn't imagine like the cops coming out with this and being like, this guy's on the loose. Could you imagine like somebody in your town being like, there's murders going on that some dude just randomly rings your front doorbell and, and just butchers you? Well, and I'm hoping that the police were being transparent with the public so that people could up their safety methods yeah. and be more careful and be sure to lock their doors and not just open that, you know, because... You got to protect yourself. Absolutely. Um, did the Mike and Teresa Shook, did they have any children? Uh, good question. So, yes, they did have three children. Um, I thought I said that, but maybe I didn't. But, um, yes, they had three children who were upstairs sleeping. Oh, at the my time. gosh. Right. So, 
Um, I don't know if Wayne knew that they had three children mm-hmm. at all, but to finish things off, he set the house on fire. No. To cover up any evidence. Oh, no, the children. Thankfully, the children made it out of the house alive. Oh, thank goodness for that. But those poor kids to know that their parents are both gone. Yeah. Unfortunately, their parents were already dead oh. and killed in a vicious, horrible way. So add another couple of murders to that list there. So while Wayne Nance wasn't busy killing people, he got himself a job as a delivery driver at a place called Conlon's Furniture. This scares me because now he's coming into people's homes and getting the lay of the land. Right. So he can see what his next potential victim looks like. Oh, the husband's gone during the day. That sort of thing. Yep. He started to develop feelings for his store manager, unfortunately for her, a woman named Chris Wells. Chris was married to Doug Wells. On a night in September of 1986, Chris and Doug were coming home from being out and about. It was right around midnight. Um, Now, there's different stories about how this completely went down. I I checked like seven different sources, and they were all a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with, you know, kind of a a hodgepodge of everything here. If I got some little detail wrong, then, you know, Internet Warriors, please, you know, spare me a little bit. So Doug thought... He may have seen someone creeping around their house, but wasn't sure. So he decided to investigate. Mm-hmm. They also said there was one part that said they were at the house and they saw a guy creeping around their RV that was outside or camper. Okay. So he's like, you know, not really sure exactly, but there was somebody creeping around near their house. And so Doug's like, what's going on? That's when he found Wayne Nance sitting in the bushes. And Doug's like, hey, uh, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, what's, 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 the, what's the story, man? When Doug asked what was going on, Nance goes, oh, you know, I know that this is Chris's house because I work with her. You know, I work with your wife and I drove by. I noticed there was somebody that was looking into your windows. So I wanted to make sure that everything was okay. And Chris was probably like, you know, okay. Yeah, that's it. Well, thanks, I guess. You know, it it strikes you as weird. You know, right. Right away, I'd be suspicious. 100% because especially, you know, just knowing these stories that we talk about here. And uh, so anyways, he's like, yeah, I was driving by, thought I saw someone looking in your windows, so I just wanted to check it out. And so Nance asked Doug to go get a flashlight so they can have her look around to make sure everything's safe. And so Doug's like, "Uh, okay, I I guess we will to make sure. I mean, because you see this guy and he didn't run away and you're like, "Uh, you want to think the best of people. And, you know, his wife personally knows this guy. Right, right. Like, what's the worst this guy is capable of, right? Um, Of course... As soon as Doug turned around, Nance hit him in the back of the head with the butt of his gun. Ugh. There are stories that said he shot him too. I don't believe that because I think it'd be, you know. It'd be pretty, very loud. Yeah. And, and also he'd probably be dead at this point, but he didn't die. Okay. So, but he didn't uh, lose consciousness either. So, okay. yeah, maybe, maybe he skinned him with a, a gunshot. Who knows? But either way, he was wounded in the back of the head. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, Doug fought right away with Nance to try to protect his wife right. and himself. He's just like, oh, my God, this is the guy. This is something bad. I you know, I can only imagine the amount of adrenaline coming out of him. Well, and time. knowing if I go down, what is he going to do to my wife? Right. Exactly. So just then, Chris, his wife, came running over to see what was all the fighting about. Like, what's going on here? So Nance points the gun at her and made her tie Doug's hands and feet while holding her at gunpoint. Mm. So you know where this is going. Right. After she was through, Nance tied up Chris as well. With both Doug and Chris tied up, Nance took Chris up to a bedroom and tied her to the bedroom uh, bed. And you know what's going to be yes. happening to her here soon. So then he left Chris secured and went for back for Doug. 
he made Doug go down into the basement with him, which, you know, what's going to be happening mm-hmm. here, tied his neck to a pole down so in the basement, sad. giving him no way out. Just then, Nance pulls out an eight-inch butcher knife and stuck it into Doug's chest, oh. watching him wither away as the knife was stuck inside of him. How? And not a huge surprise because this guy is an absolute monster. Once he was done with Doug, he headed back upstairs to the bedroom where Chris was waiting, likely about to be raped and murdered, as Nance has been known to do. Wayne Nance climbed the stairs and entered the bedroom with Chris. Just then, Doug came up quietly up the stairs from the basement. What? He was not dead, like Nance thought. Oh my gosh. He freed himself from the rope. What a friggin' warrior. Yep, warrior, hero. Like, and this guy's been beaten in the back of the head, (sighs) stabbed in the chest. I guess the stab wound missed his heart by just a little bit. Wow. Uh, I did read that it punctured a lung, but I'm not sure. I can't confirm that. Okay. So he was alive, and he freed himself from the rope, and he happened to be a gunsmith, luckily. So he had a rifle sitting on his workbench in the basement. Oh, wow. So right there within reach. Yeah. So he grabs a rifle. Rifles only shoot one bullet at a time. Okay. I didn't know that. I know nothing about guns. Most rifles. I'm not a gun guy either. So... So he ended up finding one bullet, puts it into the chamber, and loads it all up, runs upstairs. So Doug got to the main floor, looks around. He doesn't know where he is. Right. So he gets to the main floor, looks around, can't find his wife, can't find Nance. So he creeps up to the second floor as quiet as he can, but, I mean, he's also bleeding profusely. He's injured big time. So odds are Nance can hear him coming up the steps here, and he knows this. And he comes to this hallway that goes either right or left. Okay. Okay. So he could hear his wife, Chris, screaming from the left in their bedroom. He could also hear heavy footsteps immediately running in his direction. Oh, that's so scary. Hoping he's he's just standing there hoping that it's Wayne Nance. And he brings up his gun, just waiting for whoever's going to be coming around the corner there. He's 100% sure it's going to be Nance. He's pointing it right where, you know, this guy's chest most likely is. Sure enough, it was Wayne Nance running at Doug with a knife in his hand. Oh, so Doug shoots him directly in the stomach with the single bullet that he had. Wow. Got him. Boom. Right in the stomach. This piece of shit doesn't go down. Right? So It's like the worst horror movie you've ever seen. Yeah. Like a zombie or something. Yeah. It's just like, oh my God, what else now? So Nance was staggering in shock over getting shot, but just wasn't going down. It's like a guy on PCP or something, you know, mm-hmm. it just isn't going down. But Doug had no bullets left. So Doug turned the gun around and started using the butt end of the rifle as a baseball bat. Yeah, that's what I was wondering if he was going to do. He starts smashing Nance's face and body as much as he could, just beating him. Beating him with all the strength that he has, which probably isn't a ton because he's getting absolutely destroyed at this point. Yeah, I'm sure he's just fueled on adrenaline at that point. Right, exactly. So Nance didn't go down still and, in fact, made it back to the bedroom where Chris was, where he got his gun. So he could turn it on Doug. Oh. So Doug, this hero, gets him. And unfortunately, this piece of human shit got his Doug, or got, got his gun. Nance fired three shots at Doug, got off three actual shots at Doug with his pistol. He hit Doug once in the, le- in the leg and missed the other two. At this point, like we said, Doug's running on pure adrenaline. So he doesn't even feel the shot hit him in the leg. Mm-hmm. He's just like, nope. Continues to lunge at Nance, starts bashing his skull, face, and body with the back of his rifle. Just destroying his face, like making nothing of it, just like anybody would do in this situation, just wants this guy to die somehow, some way, so they can save his wife, right? Doug used so much of his force that his rifle ended up bending like an L. 
the buttstock of the gun shattered. So wow. the, the wooden part is just like shattered, useless because you smashed him in the face so many times. Completely unusable as a rifle ever again. As Nance was getting destroyed by Doug's rifle, Nance dropped his pistol. Okay. Doug sees the opportunity, picks up Nance's pistol, fired every remaining bullet into Nance's head. Goodbye. Just, doo, 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 doo. just like, oh, I just like get out of my life, you demon. I was so scared you were going to say after all Doug had gone through and gotten through that he would have been killed with those three shots he had fired at him. But, you know, only one got him. It was in the leg. He couldn't even feel it. And sweet victory that he was able to get this guy. Absolutely. Eventually, all three were taken to the hospital, and luckily, Doug and Chris recovered fully. Wow. But, as you'd imagine, Wayne died the next day from all his severe injuries. Yes. So, naturally, police look into, looked into this Wayne Nance guy that they just picked up. Sure. And found out not only was he trying to kill Doug and Chris, but also he was a serial killer responsible for at least six cold case murders from 1974 to 1986. Oh, man. What a, a an amazing thing that Doug was able to overpower this guy because you know he would have just gone on doing this over and over and over again. Because at this point in time, uh, he had to have been right around like 20-something. Yeah. So he still had many years ahead of him of vicious crime. Yeah, I don't know how old he was, but it was, I mean, this is obviously in his veins. It's that sexual urge that he needs to rape and murder people like it's just one of those things he, he gets this like sexual satisfaction from from ending people's lives but since wayne nance couldn't speak due to his death and deserved bludgeoning people police uh, couldn't know for sure exactly how many deaths he was responsible sure. for i mean people are like poking up anything that kind of came up around this time in the area and there's a decent chance that it's connected to him mm-hmm. so um, while this one's pretty short here, um, it was the story of Wayne Nance. So he was um, pinned down to six for sure that they yes. believe. And then obviously he would have easily killed th- this couple. Yep. I mean, the fact that he was able to be stopped like this is just unbelievable. Yeah. And the reason I, I chose this one, I was doing research and I was, you know, I hate so many of these stories they are so sad and horrible. And these are horrible too for every single one of these people. Yeah. Unfortunately, but it's so satisfying. Like, I don't know, you know, there's some people that are against the death penalty for whatever reason, but this had to be done, man. This guy, thank God for Doug, a hero that saved his wife. And not that these other people weren't heroes, but man no, alive. Of course not. That We're not saying they weren't heroes. No. It's just... This guy, Wayne Nance, was a monster. Yeah, and thank God for Doug, able to somehow get loose from that rope downstairs. After being stabbed in the chest. In the chest, yeah, with a butcher knife, which is huge, an eight-inch butcher knife. Like, man, there's this hole in his body and probably a punctured lung, and he got beaten in the back of the head. He's got enough wherewithal to get the, the bullet in his gun and come upstairs and shoot him perfectly in the stomach. So, you know, he was going to die regardless because he got him in the stomach. So, you know, usually a, a, you know, a shot to the stomach is going to kill you long term. But man, it's just so, so awesome of Doug to be able to defend his, his wife that was going to be raped and murdered. And I wonder how they're doing now. Yeah, that's I don't know. just amazing. But I mean, horrible, horrible story about what this monster did to this these poor people. It's just disgusting. Yep. So that's the story. Of yeah, Wayne I've never actually heard of Wayne Nance before. So hey, happy to bring it what to a you. Horrible well, human being. And I mean, now I don't know how to title the. I don't like you know 
bringing people's names that were the serial killers. Yeah, but I know. I, I mean, it's got to be known because he's gone. So it's not like he's getting any notoriety mm-hmm. out of it. So, um, yeah. Hey, well, be careful out there with uh, answering doors and such, I guess, like we always are. I mean, luckily, in this day and age, we have so much security footage. Like a lot of people have cameras, the ring doorbells. Personally, I don't ever go to the front door without checking who's on the ring doorbell. And our kids do the same because... A, I don't want to be bothered by some salesperson that's coming around. I don't want your roof. I don't want your whatever. And I'm just kind of antisocial sometimes. You when absolutely I, are. When I'm at home, I just want to be left the hell alone. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's going to our kids, too, because they don't really like to go out and do things <laughs> and whatever. So that's we, good. We go out and do things. We but, do. We um, do. I always think about the Ma- Sebastian Maniscalco. I always say his uh, last name wrong. Maniscalco. Maniscalco. You had it. Um, how back in the day when he was a kid, his family always had the Entenmann's cake at the house, ready for any guests that might come. We it's have for company. company. It's for company. Don't touch it. It's for company. <laughs> you can't have the cake. It's for company. Yeah. Whereas now it's like he did a reenactment where the doorbell rings. It's like he's motioning, get the fuck down. Yeah, get down. Get down. Did get you call? I didn't, I didn't call anybody. I don't Creeping know around so that nobody sees their movement in the house. Right. It's like that's how we respond to guests at this point. Turn in time. the lights <laughs> off. Turn the lights off. Get on the floor. Don't move. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <laughs> Yeah. So, but yeah. Well, thank you for that horrible story. I guess you could say of yeah. this piece of shit Wayne Nance. But yep. thank goodness he got brought down because yep. that could have gone a very, very different way. And I know for certain that many, many innocent people would have continued to die because of this monster. Yep. So, I mean, in this way, at least it had a positive ending. And I never ex- expected when you said he had three, Doug had three shots fired at him in addition to what had happened to him before that he would actually survive. But amazing. Thankfully did. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for that. And again, um, if we are not reading your name from Patreon or Patreon, if you're a new patron and we haven't said your name, it's only because we're pre-recording. And when we get back on track, we will list your name. And if you like what you hear and you want to become a patron, you will have an additional 20 plus episodes to your disposal to binge the hell out of. Yeah, depending on the level that you choose. So there's three different levels. Take a look, see what you get. You definitely uh, get your name read. So that's kind of cool. And um, yeah, we, we appreciate you listening. Uh, make sure to tell your friends and family about us. And uh, thank you for all your hard efforts and listening. Yeah, and until next time. Bye. bye.